slow down, flip us over, and celebrate. The Turn Turtles are here. Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome to episode 20 of the Turn Turtles podcast. We talk about board games, and that's about it. For 20 episodes. 20 episodes after this one. Uh, with me, as always, is Matt over there. Hi, Hi Matt. Hey. And we have Adam the Mej Mejard. Oh, hey. And my name's Adam, and we are here this week, and on the table, we're going to be talking about board game gimmicks. You might have thought that for uh, such a landmark episode like 20, we would do something uh, super amazing, uh, like but we're not. We're gonna Stay talk on your gimmicks. toes, people. Let's do a and montage talk of, about of everything we've done before. Just gonna be Let's the do montage an episode. episode. Episode yep. of content that we've never released because it's been cut and it'd be really funny because it'd just be a, the intro music and the outro music. Right. <laughs> and a lot of <laughs> be amazing. And crap. <laughs> we have definitely not cut enough to do a whole episode because Have no. we cut anything really? A not little much. bit. Little things at the end of Matt making random sounds and stuff like that. Oh but. yeah. 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 Uh, but I guess we're going to start off with our weeks, like usual. Uh, why don't we start with Meej? So, What's been up, Meej? Well, lots. I've been working a lot, and I haven't played too many games because Daryl decided to get sick. <sighs> That's been going um, around. So did Adam, and so did I. So did I. Um, yeah, all of you decided to get sick, so I just went to work more often. Um so two of the games I'm going to let Matt talk about because the one of them I didn't fully understand and the other one I just think he'll be better at explaining. So just a little teaser for later, y'all. Um, I also played Catan with my brother and sister-in-law, which I'm just going to say that we played it. And I was kind of, okay, I love Catan, but Catan can make you really upset sometimes when force. I think it was five or six turns in a row. You get no resources. Yeah. So I had one card for six turns in a row. So I had three points or four points, which is one more than you start with when <laughs> my brother won. So that was, you know, oh. but I still love Catan. You know um, really fun comparison that I never thought about before. What? Catan and Machikoro are kind of the same game. No. There's something in the middle for Catan. Because it's still you're rolling dice and you're getting, I I know they're a little different, but everybody's they're very rolling different. Dice. You can get resources on other people's turns, and is Katan the Machi Coral Killer? Yep. No. Nice. Yep. They're completely okay. different games. I think they're a lot more similar than you think that they are. I think there's a lot of games <laughs> that share that single similarity, like a lot yeah. of games. Okay, so I think that if you take the towns and the cities of Catan and instead have turned them into a card in front of you, then it's like Machikoro quite a bit and space. No, it's not because it has Machikoro has no area control and no trading. Right. Which are key parts of Catan. Agreed. I'm, I'm not saying they're the exact same game. I'm saying they're a lot more similar than I had thought about in the past. That's all. Um, I don't agree, but let's move on. Um, <laughs> another, I also, me and Daryl, nope, going to say that for later. I didn't write this in the show notes, so I'm just going to surprise you guys. Um, Ooh. Adrian, Luke, and I played another mission finally of Lord of the Rings Journey in Middle Earth. Um, we hadn't played a while because Adrian was in teacher's college. Um, so he was away, a couple hours away at teaching placements for a few months, um, so yeah, then it just doesn't work because you have to be in person. This is, so I'll just do a quick recap. This is the co-op adventure game set in the Lord of the Rings universe where the computer or the app guides you through your missions and quests and tells you uh, which enemies to put on the board, which pieces of the modular board to put out, but you still have a deck of cards that you're using to do attacks and things. Um. 
I'm still not super in love with it. I just, I think because when there's an app controlling the storyline and there's an app telling you where to put things, it's a lot less tactile. So it's a lot, I find a lot harder to, to stay, to keep track of what's going on and to stay engaged because it feels closer to like watching a TV show where you're just passively watching. Whereas in a story-based board game, say Tales of Arabian Nights, you're, or Gloomhaven, which is co-op, you're actively participating in the story the entire time um, and physically doing everything. You have to do all the admin. And personally, I just, I like doing the admin because it makes it more tactile, I guess. I like that too. And you're reading but, the book and you're flipping the cards and yeah, I like yeah, it. Yeah, I mean... The cool things are it means the music always matches the mission, which is really cool. So it has a dynamic playlist, which is awesome. Um, And it tells you when to get certain cards from the deck, which is nice. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, all in all, it's it's I, I think I like it better than I did my first play, but I still prefer full physical. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Daryl and I also played another mission of Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle, um, but I'm not going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about another game he got called Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle Defense Against the Dark Arts. So, <laughs> wow. So, yeah. So the original Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle is a co-op game. Um, you can play with up to four players and you're going through the books. Each each game is going through one of the books, kind of, or it uses the villains from that book. Defense Against the Dark Arts is competitive and it's two player. And I actually really, I enjoyed it. Um, So this is, next description is only going to make sense for the people who have watched the second movie, Chamber of Secrets. But I'll try to explain it. Um, It's also actually similar to Seven Wonders, one aspect of Seven Wonders Duel. So basically in the center of the table, you have a track that has something like, let's say, 14 ovals on it. Um, and you have it in line with you and your opponents. You're each at one end of this track of ovals. It's similar to the military track in Seven Wonders Duel. Um, and it looks like oh, the yeah. dueling club table in the second Harry Potter movie. Um, it has the blue tablecloth with the stars on the outline on the outside. Um, and basically, what you're doing is you each have your pawns starting face to face in the center of this track and as you're playing you're deck building and you're doing damage to each other if me and matt are playing and i do damage to matt say i do three damage he pulls his pawn back three spaces on the track if he heals he goes forward that many spaces towards the center but he can never go past the center once once you push your opponent all the way to the to the far end of the track they're stunned and then there's a whole bunch of negative effects and then you go again and it's best or it's you play i think until someone is stunned three times or something like that really cool game um it's your basic deck builder but there's a couple things added so there's one thing called ally cards which i really appreciated so rather than the cards being in portrait mode there's some ally cards that are in landscape but the backs are still the same, so you don't know where they are. You buy them, just like in a deck builder, and you, when you pull them from your deck, when you have them in your hand, you can play them, and they stay out permanently, and they give you ongoing effects. So you still have to cycle them through your deck, but then they stay out. Um, but what's cool about this game is, so there's two ways to play it as rules written which is a very harsh competitive game which is fine if that's what you want me and daryl opted for um some rules he found on the internet that make it a little more um just a little more i don't know how to say it lighthearted less bitey yeah lighthearted um so in the (laughs) in the original rules what happens is if i stun matt he now has to wipe his whole board of allies, Oof. reshuffle his deck, reset everything. One of the alternate rules they suggested is instead play kind of like a gentleman's game 
And so if I stunned Matt, I'm actually the one that resets. So it's more of a duel, like a fencing duel rather than a uh-huh. battle, if that makes sense. Because if I stun you and you have to reset everything, now you're back to base and I still have all my massive power out with all my allies and stuff that I use to stun you, which gives me a huge advantage. And a shorter game. And a shorter <laughs> game. But yeah. it's not that long in the first place. It's only half an hour. Oh, yeah. Um, there is one other rule that I'm blanking on that edited. It was something to do with there's a certain type of card that we waited until the first stun had happened to use. Oh, I see. Just just to because otherwise someone can get a real, real huge jump start and the other person can never catch up. Right. All in all, I really enjoyed it. Um, if you like the Harry Potter Hogwarts battle game, it's I, it's definitely worth buying because it's yeah, it's a fun half an hour deck building competitive thing. I enjoyed it. Which one do you like more? I don't know because I've only played the sec- this one once. Okay, what do you feel? I, yeah, um, I really like them both a lot thematically i think i like how quick defense against the dark arts is yeah um and i'm gonna lean towards it just because it's not co-op but i did really also enjoy harry potter hogwarts battle it's hard to say but i think i would lean to defense against the dark arts nice right on uh, I will jump in here before Matt's marathon of news. <laughs> <laughs> so, like like I said before, I was sick, so I did not play with these fellas at all the last two weeks because Matt was sick and then I was sick. I did get in the chance to once again restart Gloomhaven with my brother-in-law. Uh, so we have a started from the very beginning he was part of the group we were a playing a very good before. place to start True. <laughs> well he me and him had both been playing together with another person when that group kind of collapsed um so we had toyed with the idea of just continuing but i wasn't sure how big of an impact the loss of loot like because the guy that was playing with us had a lot of money and stuff um <clears throat> and we weren't that far in where uh, it was worth maybe getting really far in and then wondering uh, where we might have been if we had lost less gold and done things a bit differently. We decided just to start over, so uh, that was fun. We're going to be doing uh, Mission 2 tomorrow, actually. So uh, Nice. What characters are you? Are you are you the same characters that you were the first time you played? Or no, did you I, he's he's still playing the um, the elemental stone dude, uh, Craig Hart. Craig Hart. That's who and, I started as. Oh yeah, he, he's definitely one of the coolest starter ones. I think it was my I first. Think. Yeah, because I definitely I, played three or four characters, but mm-hmm. oh yeah, I was the tinkerer last time I played. That's who um, I played. I switched to Mind Thief this time. I'm not sure either are going to be very easy. No, I I don't think anyone in our game played Mind Thief. I thought, oh, oh, I'm playing Mind Thief. That's what I'm playing Mind Thief on the Steam version. We just haven't played it in a long time. And what do you think of the Rat Man? Um, so far it's cool. It's, I guess. Um, we ended up dying once and starting over within the first night. And upon this, the restart, I had realized that he has those augment abilities that I had completely missed the first time we played. He, he's so all he, about buff and debuff. Yeah, he, he, he has a cool tax where he makes <clears throat> the enemies uh, like damage each other and stuff, which is like where the mind thief part plays in. But he has oh, these cool. abilities called augments where... Um, Play it, and the card stays active beside your board, and it keeps doing things. And there's a bunch of different ones. So you can do one where, like, if you play it down, uh, the augment is every time you do a melee hit, you heal yourself by two. Or another oh. one is you you muddle the person, I think, if you hit it. 
Uh, so there's a bunch of different ones that when you play it, stay down until you replace it with another augment ability. Oh, and cool. It, I think he's a fairly complicated one to play. Yeah, so, he's one of the higher complexity. Yeah, I didn't realize that when I picked him. I, I think I'm going to enjoy it, but it's going to be... Uh, I have to realize what I've it, gotten myself into, I think. But you know how to play D&D, so I don't think you'll have an issue with it. Like, right. as much as Gloomhaven is a completely different game, there's a lot of similarities in, like, how the attacking works and stuff. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm um, glad you're picking it up again. That game yeah, is me so too. Apart from that and my Discord D&D stuff that I've talked about before, uh, that's pretty much all I did. So I will hey, hand it over. Just yep. putting this out there, if I was ever playing D&D on Discord, I feel like you have to be a bard that plays all discordant tunes. <laughs> it's just too good of a joke to miss. And that would be a really fun character that he just shoots melodies at people that give them headaches. It sounds great. It's actually kind of <laughs> funny you say that because the character that I've made is a paladin bard. So like I've dubbed oh, him like a, a, a poet knight. So what's actually fun is like in within the game as we're like going places and like as I'm fighting and stuff even – I like on the spot write little like one one verse ditties and That's put the wonderful. musical notes. So I make like little little poems and rhymes and stuff about the That's things great. that I'm doing. So I wrote one today Love about that. like breakfast and bacon and stuff, and it it gets a lot of uh, reactions and it's a fun little way fun. to 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 play with it. So pull it out. I want to hear this ditty about bacon. Well, it's it's not an actual like song. It's just like some words. You want me to read yeah, what I wrote? Yes, I yes. do. Oh, boy. Uh, I'm going to have to find it for a second. Okay, well, you can edit out the silence after. Or not. <laughs> I can do this. We can no. just let them let the okay, listeners grow it. in anticipation. <laughs> okay, I found it. Okay, keep in <laughs> mind, I wrote this in like literally 10 seconds, okay? It's, it's just like... Stop, uh, stop downing yourself. It's going to be so, great. So uh, the context here is we had not made it into the city before nightfall. So uh, we were outside the city at morning and we had decided to go into the city for, for breakfast instead of, uh, you know, doing something uh, in our current camp. So I wrote this, <clears throat> this song as we're on the road. Uh, he's singing, the stomach is made of bacon. That's why I'm always taking breakfast to repair the holes in my stomach and my soul. <laughs> oh, I love that. So good. And I got some heart, oh, no. heart emojis and some bacon emojis to that one. So Nice. That's the best you're going to ask for. Hearts and bacons. So I, I'm enjoying this stuff quite a bit, actually. It's, it's fun to be able to poke into this and spend a few minutes here and there on it. So Nice. What do you got, Matt? Um, yeah, I have played a whole bunch of things because we're recording on a Thursday. So Adam gets to uh, edit this tonight. Yeah, for our very first time, this is going to be out uh, literally the next day of recording. So <laughs> hopefully don't we don't mess do up. That but we've this had lots current. of time to be sick and play some games. So I got to play Stevenson's Rocket with Hannah and Alex. Got my oh, second man. of that, and we we're just there was long and having a good time. To it along and having a good time. I was watching Star Trek and they made a reference to Stevenson's Rocket. Oh, yeah. And I got very much overexcited for sitting alone watching a TV show. But, you know, it was nice. We discovered that that came out in 1999, that game. So that's fun. Tooting along Uh, and having a good time. No, having a good time tooting along, isn't it? I don't don't remember. Something about farting. I like my way. So I keep saying that. Uh, next, I played more Undaunted Normandy with Nick, which is still so much fun. We finally had our first map mission scenario thing where all the cards were available to us to bring into our deck. So we really got to decide how we wanted to do the scenario instead of, oh, they're introducing mortars now, we should do mortars. Or, oh, they're introducing snipers, then... So you're uh, you're out of the tutorial mode. Yeah, exactly. So for the first time we had everything and we 
you were allowed to pull in what you wanted as you went. And that was so much fun. Nick is very much, I just want to sit here and shoot you. And I'm very much, I want to do the the objectives and win that way as much as possible. Because you can win either by eliminating all of the riflemen on the other team and pinning them in that way. Or you can win by doing the objectives. And it is so much fun. We're not quite done all the scenarios. I think we have three or four left. But Nick is fleeing for two weeks or so. So I probably won't have an update on that for a while. But I'm really fleeing excited. Because he lost so hard? Like literally fleeing from something? Yeah. I defeated from victory. Retreating to the coast. Um, oh. The next thing, I played Ark Nova again last night. Guess how many points I got? So good. Two. <laughs> that's literally how many points I got. Two. <laughs> oh, really? I was just guessing wild. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Have you gotten over your weird nice. points thing yet? No. And actually, we played with Greg and Mark and Hannah. And at the end of it, Greg was totally on my my side of the argument. So, Greg, you have to write in and explain to the good people how right I have been the whole time. And if you don't, they'll just have to believe me. But Daryl explained to you, you could just play it with positive points. Yeah, absolutely. There is absolutely something different about just adding 100 points to everybody's score or changing the game so that nobody has to do that from the first game that I had played. Or just play the game and it doesn't matter because it's relative to everyone else who's playing. Oh, that... Yep, that's the whole debate. (laughs) And there's something hugely psychological to me. And Hannah actually said kind of like, when when we finished, Greg's like, I just spent three and a half hours of my life and ended with, I think he got negative five points. And then Hannah kind of uh, took that and said, we kind of equate it to X amount of hours for a payout. As if we're working, as if we're hourly workers working for a wage. And if you get two points in three and a half hours, then you're not like, like you're worth more than that or, or something. I don't I don't remember exactly what she said, but that makes total it, sense to me. It reminds yeah, me of when we first all. started. I don't <laughs> I I get the negative thing. I understand the negative thing. I don't understand the low amount of points thing. It's all like whose line, like whether it's a million points or two points, it's all fake and it doesn't exist. And it's but only in your what head. it reminds me of, Matt, your working thing. Remember when Pokemon Go first came out, we would always be like, oh, crap, I'm walking for free because we didn't have the <laughs> app open incubating our eggs. And it's like yes. the, there's no negative to my life by not having this app open. But I've now equated it to I got to do this. I got to get this achievement. And I feel like it's the same thing. Like other podcasts too, when they talk about um, is a game worth it, we often think about, okay, what's the scale of how much enjoyment I'm getting versus how long it takes? Or what's the ratio of setup to enjoyment? Right? Because 90% of the time, if there's too much setup, the game has to be is not that great enjoyment wise because of the ratio. But with something like Gloomhaven, the game is still amazing, even though setup took forever because it's just a great game. And I feel like this is kind of the same thing. Just with, with points instead of setup. Yeah, with the Gloomhaven thing, I would not have played it as much if we didn't just leave it set up all the time. And right. we'll have to that seems that different to me. Like that's but actually work involved. I think it is different for sure. But I can kind of see where me just coming from as well. But yeah, I don't know. Just let I, me I was just saying points instead of two. I was just anyway. saying there's different ways that we find value in games, and for some reason, in our minds, we or in Matt's mind, he's ratioing points versus hours. Right. And I got like point seven points per hour. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but All you right. got some so cool animals. Amazing. Uh, We also, a while back, got the expansion for Space Base, the first one, because there's a couple. And this one is called The Emergence of Shy Pluto. 
we are three games into it, three or four. So I'll it, I'll talk about that more when we're finished. And it give makes a me opinion. think of like a little planet with a blankie halfway up his face, just like peeking <laughs> out from behind Jupiter or something because he's shy <laughs> and he's emerging. It is a storyline campaign, so I, I definitely don't want to ever do any spoilers for it. But when we're done, I'll, I'll give my general overview of how I felt. About you could it. do a spoiler episode. Yeah, maybe. Oh, good know. idea. Like a like do an episode and mark it as a bonus spoiler episode. Yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe I'll do that. So right now, I when other people ask me how I feel about it, space based is like eating craft dinner. And the emergence of Chai Pluto so far is like getting another bowl of craft Dinner. It's not better or worse. It's just more. But we just hit a part where they put ketchup on the craft Dinner. So oh, it's like, man. Ooh. Uh, oh. Kinda and like so that. far, the right amount I, of ketchup? Yes. I feel like every ooh. part of this analogy is just super controversial. Why? Uh, I don't think because some people hate craft dinner and some people really hate ketchup well, on that craft dinner. I don't. Both think of those types of people should just not listen to our podcast. <laughs> Neither of those things. I don't are know true. how this is controversial. That's just wrong. <laughs> There's no controversy. But like, I can't liken it to I don't know, like a steak and boiled potato and Caesar salad or whatever, because that's not what yeah. space bacon feels like to me. And space boiled bacon, potato, gross. Yeah, well, agreed. But space base is. Like a bowl of craft dinner. That's could it be a bowl awesome. of cereal? It's comforting. Nope. No, that's too crunchy. Could it be soggy cereal? You have to be able to smell without chewing. That's what space base is. <laughs> no, that's such a bad qualifier. Okay, let's move on. So the next thing I've played is Shot and Totten, which is a two player card game by Reiner Knitz. Published by ELO. I played it with Meech. We played it at the end of a game night when we played a different game first. And we were both rather tired, but it, it had been a while since we've seen each other and I didn't want to kick him out yet. It was also a Canizia uh, game. Yeah. Uh, I want to save that I for hope. later. I've only played it once and we didn't really know what we were doing yet. So Can I say the one thing? Not super yeah. colorblind friendly. Yeah. And the art is not my favorite. That all yeah, counts as one thing. It's definitely funny art. Funny Scottish people. The colorblind thing, there are shapes on each card, but they are small and you have to They're really tiny. look for them. Yeah, but if you Which didn't game are you talking shape, about? Shot and Totten. Oh, shot okay. and Totten. We also, and, isn't there a newer edition? T-E-N. T-O-T-T-E-N. Yes, there is a Shot and Totten 2 that's out. and Oh, it, it's not an edition. No, it's like a sequel almost. I have not played it. I remember asking on a different Discord what the difference was. And it was a... I don't remember. I don't remember oh, what the difference was. The but. description on BoardGameGeek says the new one is asymmetrical. Oh, okay. Well, The original definitely so was not. Yeah, I think I I enjoyed our sleep deprived, <laughs> hilarious play of this game, and I'd love to play it more before <laughs> I really get into how to play it. But the one that I really wanted to talk about tonight, after <laughs> all those other ones, Meej and I finally played Sola <laughs> Fide: The Reformation, which in so many years, which uh, the Reformation was what five hundred years ago. Yep. And it was where the Protestants split from it's, the Catholic Church. So 500 years ago was when Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses. was like 500 years ago early this year, I believe. Um, but it's when the Reformation, so the when they started to rebel against the Catholic Church in Germany. Right. Which was awesome and awful and... They made a board game about it. So it is designed by the aptly named Christian Leonard and Jason Matthews and published by Stronghold Games. It is a two-player only game about the Reformation. Each player uh, has a deck of cards that's set. We, Meej and I played where it was 15 cards preset by the game. 
but I think there's a total of 45 cards and when if we play it again when we play it again they say to shuffle the whole deck draw three cards pick one and put it to the side and then you'll do that for all 45 cards end up with 15 so every time you play it you'll have drafted out of either the catholic side or the protestant side right. you'll have drafted a, a new deck of 15 cards to play the game with on your turn you will either play a card from your hand or draw a card and that's and just to be clear like when we played uh, my deck was themed toward the catholic side and matt's right. deck was themed toward the reformer side right exactly um yeah so you can either play a card from your hand or draw draw one card off of your deck and then once you've ran through your deck you shuffle it again just like a, a deck builder but you're not building anything after the initial build now there are cards like the catholic side has cards like the holy roman empire johan Eck, the veneration of mary and then the protestant side has things like the 95 theses uh, a mighty fortress is our god university <laughs> of Wittenberg, and then there's separate i'm looking at one called the bondage of the will and i think that's hilarious oh yeah there's <laughs> there's a lot of really good ones in there yeah and a little close to our heart on the there's a couple of side decks that once you have achieved a certain thing you get to draw a card as a bit of a bonus and there's edict of worms john calvin and then there is actually a card called the dutch reformed church which is fun so in this in this game, there are ten circles they called them, and they're boards. Very that confusing are, because they're square. Yeah. So the boards are what six inches by six inches, and then the middle most part of the board is just a map that has you don't do anything with. But then each circle is like the electoral Rhenish circle and the Austrian circle, the Swabian circle. They're, the upper they're all. They're all parts of, I think, what the German Empire, whatever it was called at that point, was in the 1500s. Right. Yeah, exactly. And then, where am I here? There are 10 circles in the game, which are actually squares. And they're set in a pyramid. So there's one on top, and then two, three, and then four on the bottom. The top one, and then the next layer of two, are available to fight over at the beginning of the game. And the others are face down. If ever one circle is decided, then the two beneath it get revealed, and you can fight over those. Each circle is worth uh, seven or five points. And then in order to decide or win a circle, it's a tug of war, and there are three tracks on each uh, circle. I hate calling it circles because they're squares. So on the left and right side are the... Uh, nobility and the common people and oh man i I went off my notes and now i'm lost it's all good the nobility side the commoner side and then up at top is the power track the nobility and common side will have four or five territories to them represented by little colored rectangles and the game starts out with some of them colored red for the protestants some of them colored black for the catholic and then some of them are beige for neutral. And then as you play cards, you'll put your cube on on the each territory to represent converting the other side to you're your swaying the the you're swaying either the peasantry or the nobility. So right. if I'm playing the Catholic and I'm swaying the nobility on one of the provinces, I take one of my black cubes and I put it on one of the red spaces to show that I have turned that red space into a Catholic like influence essentially. Yeah, exactly. And then the other track is a tug of war between the nobility and commoners side. So if at any point you have taken all five or all four of the territories on the nobility side and tug of war, the power up to the nobility end whether it's the the last spot or the second last spot then it's decided and that becomes the a catholic spot goes to Meej and he gets the points for it uh you play uh until one 
you play until one side is owned by either side and the power track is on that side of the circle. And then you play till all the circles are accounted for and then you tally up the points and the person who has most points wins. There is a couple extra rules, a little dude that you can... The Pope token. <laughs> He's kind of like the Pope, but you set him on a circle and if that circle is decided, the whoever gets that gets an extra point. We played with the uh, original, like the 15 cards that the game said you should play with. And I understand why they said to play with those, but it felt like both sides were rather samey. We had one card that was named different, but it was the exact same power. Yeah. Uh, There were a couple like that. Yeah. I think it would be a lot better with your... If you learned it a little more and you get to pick your own cards at the beginning. I think what happened was at the beginning, the novelty of the names of the cards were just making us giggle and we were enjoying it. But about halfway through, I think we both had just figured out how it worked and were kind of bored because we knew exactly what cards were coming up. We knew how to play. But Mm -hmm. we weren't done yet. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I do remember at one point saying, I'm kind of bored right now. Yeah. But I feel like that would change and become a good thing if you were using, like, if each game was, like, different set of cards. And then yeah, you, no, for you sure. Play against each other and knowing what's coming up is part of the fun of the competitiveness. The competitiveness. Yeah, and, and what happened in our game is I won it, and I think it's because I had a couple cards that I was able to combo really well a few times in a row, so... Right like converting three things at once and then the immediate turn was pushing the tug of war two spaces in either direction. So I think right. as you discover the the more discover more cards and your decks aren't the same aren't as similar anymore, you're going to discover these really cool um combo powers that are just fun to surprise your opponent with. Yeah, absolutely. So I I think we enjoyed it. Well, yeah. maybe maybe I'll play with Hannah or play it with Mage again or I don't know, Adam, or if you're interested at all, but yeah. yeah I, I was going to ask it, how much you enjoyed it. It seems like in general, it's not super loved. Yeah, I would, I mean, I'd give it a five out of 10. It's, it seems average, but I we think. We had play, a good time. It just felt long. Yeah, I I think it went long as well, but and if I we think different cards, I think that would really matter. I also said it to Matt in the, while we were playing is, we were both constantly focusing on the exact same territory. So it was just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Where right. I think it would change if instead of doing that, we both were okay with giving up one territory to the other player so that we could get a bunch of cubes on the other, like on the on the mm-hmm. non-disputed territories. Like just the way we were playing was very, okay, now we're do- both doing this tile. Now we're both doing this tile. Now we're both doing this tile. Right, but I can't ever let Mage have a tile. Well, exactly. That's not okay. But I think you're supposed to like do necessary yeah. sacrifice. We just neither of us play that way. <laughs> right. Hearing you describe yeah. it, it reminded me a little bit of the uh, the religion part of like Civilization Six. Oh yeah. How like the the religion battles right. work to some degree? It reminded me a little bit of that as you were talking about it, but. Yeah, because you're all everybody's sending out apostles to the same area and converting yeah. it back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like the king is dead, except it actually made sense. <laughs> hey now, hey now, <laughs> hey now, hey now. Right, I all think right. that's gonna wrap up our uh, rather extensive weeks, which is fine and great. Sorry, everyone. Um, oh, I was gonna quickly throw in there that there was another. Uh, mind bug update from the cursed as they call it black boxes that are coming out i thought uh, you were just getting of... mad at the black boxes <laughs> there's apparently some more issues from like the the non-english some of the non-english games but it sounds like the the copies that i'm getting are supposed to be arriving in the states tomorrow actually so maybe it's on its on its way here Ooh. soon uh but with that we're gonna kick off our main topic here and talk about gimmicks. Uh, it sounds like we had a little bit of 
Imagine this disagreement about what our definition was going to be. Never happened um, before. I pulled up the first two that came up for me in Google, which was Wikipedia and the Cambridge Dictionary. So we might as well first talk about what we're talking about here. Dictionary um, definitions. <laughs> so Wikipedia has a gimmick as a novel device or idea designed primarily to attract attention or increase appeal, often with little intrinsic value. Um, Cambridge has it as something that is not serious or real value that is used to just the same thing, but other way around. So we're talking about things that make a game kind of look cool. It's almost like a mechanic that doesn't actually help the rest of the game is the way I saw people talking so about it in, Re in Reddit and stuff. But I, I don't really care what Reddit says. Never have. When I... When I propose this topic and when I think about it, I think of something that is primarily meant as a sales, like a. it's hard to nail down, but I think of a sales ta tactic with some sort of physical component that's supposed to catch your eye, whether or not it makes the game better, because there are some that we're going to talk about that definitely make the game better and some that probably it could do without. Yeah, I think it definitely needs to have some big flashy thing. Yeah, oh, for sure. Or something I'm brand new that no one's ever done. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think I only have one in my list that is... Uh, it could be taken out and it wouldn't change anything. That's fine. I mean, we could talk about whatever we want, maybe. But it's good yeah. to say up front that it may not match the standard definition for what these things are. But Good standards um do you want to go first then meach <laughs> yeah okay so the first game i'm going to talk about i bought purely because of the gimmick and it's okay okay so this game is called planet it's by blue orange i didn't write any information down in our show notes so give me two seconds to pull it up on my computer um, okay so in this game very pretty game. Mm -hmm. The purpose of the game is to attract, you're building, you're each terraforming a planet and you're attracting animals to your planet. So it is by Ertis Sulinskas. Um, so essentially each of you has these, so you have these geometric shapes. <laughs> I think they're 12 sided or they're eight sided. One of the two. Um, and they are magnetic, and you each get one, and they're probably about four inches, three inches in diameter. Um, but then also, you have these magnetic pentagon tiles that snap on to the planet core, is what the rules call them. Um, and on them, these pentagons are split into five triangles, like five pizza slices, essentially, with varying geography types so it could be water it could be ice could be desert could be mountain etc um, and so what you're doing is each turn you are basically drafting um, tiles from the board in front of you to add to your core and click it on once everyone's done that you'll look at the animals that are have been drawn for that round and whoever has the correspond the most corresponding prerequisite for that animal gets it and it goes to their planet so for example it could be the most forest it could be as simply as that but it could also be the most water adjacent to mountains or it could be water with nothing touching it um, so essentially what you're doing is you're adding tiles to try to attract these animals and at the end of the game you get points based on the animals and you all have a secret objective so you might want to get the most ice animals something like that um it's very simple very straightforward i would say it's would be really good for 10 to 12 year olds um i do enjoy it but it's very simple very very simple um but the gimmick is the magnetic core with the tiles and is that why you bought it that is why I bought it, and it's interesting. I was thinking about it. When you're playing the game, the cool thing is you're not allowed ever removing the tiles from your planet. 
But what that means is to try to figure out where to put your next piece, you're constantly picking it up and rotating it and trying to get a 3D image in your mind while you're rotating it to figure out where all your territories are. So it is a gimmick, but it does add a really interesting mind bendy thing to the game. Because it would be way easier if they were just laid flat on the ground. But it, it it's just a it's a bit mind bending the way you have to rotate it and hold it in your head. Oh yeah, it would be almost impossible to do flat with yeah, still showing you, yeah. touch what you couldn't in the way they have it. Um, but yeah. yeah, I think it's fun. It's a good game. Um, like I said, it's definitely one to play with older kids. Yeah, I remember playing it once. It wasn't overly complicated for sure, but it was enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. I've played it three or four times, haven't had the desire to play it again. But the gimmick, I think it's a really cool gimmick because not only is it really fun and kids would love it, but also it does change how you like you you have to think differently, which is cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like the fact that you can pick it up and turn it around. Look, Mm -hmm. right on. Let's let's do one from Matt. Okay. I've, I have a few, but uh, looking at the time, we don't have enough time for me to talk as much as I want. So I'm going to go to, as soon as someone said gimmick, I thought about this game. The original was made in 1981, and Restoration Games took it, and I think they did a Kickstarter, but it was released this year in 2022 return to dark tower. Have you guys looked this game up at all? Yeah. Jesse bought the new one, but he hasn't brought it home from Vermont for me to play yet. Oh, really? He has seen it. It's so so cool. (laughs) (laughs) It's awesome. Gimmick. If you think of it. So this game, I, it's, I have watched yeah, I've watched several mm-hmm. videos on how to play it, and I don't totally understand how to in play a coffin it. box. But if you you look it up, you'll see that there's a like a foot tall tower <laughs> that sits in the middle of the board that has uh, doors at the bottom on the north, north, south, east, and west sides, and they'll correspond to four sections of the map that splays out from there. It has batteries. The it I think Bluetooth hooks up to an app. You need yep. an app to play the game. It lights up. What you're supposed to do throughout the game is when uh, something to do with skulls. And I think whether you you cleanse skulls off of the board and put them back in the the tray. If you ever run out of skulls, that's one way to lose when you need to put it on the board and you can't. But sometimes you're taking skulls and putting them in the top of the tower like it's a dice tower. And sometimes the skulls will come out one of the doors at the bottom, but sometimes they won't. And it's all to do with the inside of this thing. And then as you go through the game, there are different doors up the tower that you can open. And sometimes it'll reveal a glyph that'll let you do a different action. But sometimes you'll open a door and some of the skulls you had put in before that had fallen against it just like come flying out at you. And then you can get the game. Honestly, I don't <laughs> really know. terrifying. Like, I don't really know how you would do this without the tower. I haven't put that much thought into it. Like, maybe you can have a bag and then a, a deck of cards that tells you what happens. But it's still a gimmick. I guarantee you that, like, ninety percent of the people who bought this game looked at that tower and said, yeah. "I need that tower." Well, what? Okay, so first of all, it has an 8.5 rating on Board Game Geek, which is very high. Second, the highest tower rating of, I've ever heard of. Uh, two uh. of the creators are Isaac Childress, who did Gloomhaven, oh, and yeah. Rob Davio, who does all the legacy games. So, did they design the game or did they They're help the designers re- help do the remake no. of? They did the so they redesigned it right. from the original. Like it's 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 a re-implementation essentially, but Davio yeah. does all the like was he the one that created Legacy? Um, yeah. Legacy? 
Yeah, yeah I remember hearing him talk about it way back on the board or the um, gamers with jobs stuff when he was starting all that stuff up. Oh yeah. Oh oh yeah, and then also is Noah Cohen, who's helped, who did Unmatched and helped with Betrayal Legacy. So like you know, it's a really good game. Well, I know there are really good designers involved. Yeah, good designer does not always make a good game, but. But when it's that many good designers, well, I should hope. But the the gimmick is absolutely there. If you have not seen this, you should Google it and find a video of this tower because it is big, so fun. Six inch diameter at the base and like a foot tall, and it makes noise and it lights up and it's crazy. I just feel like a, it's I the looked kind at a curiosity game. see if it was yeah. this was something that was being discussed and it, it is of course like there's many threads about people arguing that this is more than a gimmick. Right. I feel like this is the kind of game if you had it as a kid you would never have actually played it. You would just play with the tower. Right. <laughs> right. And use it for other things. Which is so good. Like yeah, amazing. It's like a nice tower. Yeah, your Legos you're and stuff. Your D and D games. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah. Do it for death saves. Right. So that was like what I thought of gimmicks. That's the one I thought of. Adam, do you have one that you thought of? Yeah. So, so the first, the first one I thought of was actually the Labyrinth Kid game. Um. I ended up not I in my list I put nope behind it because using the definition that I gave I'm not sure it actually is a gimmick because it's uh like core to the actual game when you pick up those pieces off the the labyrinth pieces and or off the labyrinth map and you slide it in somewhere else to to uh, manipulate the board. Right. Um I would also say nope. Yeah. So the first one that popped into my mind after like um, Labyrinth was just, I think, Ever- the Everdell tree is an obvious one. Yep. And oh, it's yeah. one that's gotten a lot of attention uh, lately. It's it's huge. It's unnecessary. It does look super cool. It's gotten a lot of... It's something like like we've talked about before. People like to make like cakes and stuff out of it and, yeah. and show I, it I think it's places. one of the few games that i would agree fully falls under your definition of pointless gimmicks that are just for sales that are pure dictionary definition gimmicks because you can play without it 100 percent. yeah so i think most themed expansions would technically fall under this description so like i have the wow version of small world um, it doesn't change a lot. It's mostly just a reskin, right? So uh, it's yeah. it's getting people who like WoW for, to to buy a game that they might not have bought otherwise. So in the right. same vein would be all the different chess themes you can get. Like there's Every like a Monopoly Highland. ever. Yeah, right. all of these kinds of things are very, I think, technically gimmicks. It's that's an interesting line though, because like on that in that vein, you could argue that. Disney villainous is just a gimmick, but it's an it's a great game. Or you could argue right, there's, for sure. there's so many that ride that line, that fine line. Yeah. There's nothing that says it can't be well done, I think. It no, just has no. to on its own add very little, I think. Or at least that's the definition that was given. But a lot you of have kids to add games, very little or be so intertwined that you can't remove it. Yeah. What's what's that machine marbly game that you have, Matt? Gizmos. Gizmos. So like, good. Uh, would you agree the 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 cardboard marble dispenser is a gimmick? I definitely have Gizmos and Potion Explosion on my list as well, uh, and yeah. they both do they both do something similar. I think Potion Explosion needs that because it when does. you pull, pull a marble out, it'll clack together. And you need a way to randomly right. marbles. Right. Gizmos probably could have done without where and you just have so a bag. And then you pull problem, a bag. And- but the problem with that, yes, you could technically make it work. But in Gizmos, there's situations where you either get a random one or you get to pick a specific one. 
Right. So then what oh, you do, true. you could have a bag full of tokens of different colors. They don't even have to be marbles. I would call the marbles a gimmick as well. You could take five tokens out and put them in a row on the table. Yeah. Uh, when someone picks one of those tokens, you pull another token out of the bag and replace that's, it. That's what I mean. It technically could work. Right. So it's absolutely a gimmick and one that it, I love. But I don't know if it... I think I, it is a gimmick, but I think that one, I think, rides the line where it it adds so much ease to the game. Like, it's way easier to pull a marble and have the next one fall out of the thing than have to reset from a bag every time. Like, I think yeah, that true. one is weird because it almost adds enough that it's it's almost not a gimmick, but it is. I don't know. It's yeah, it does seem to add hard. quite a bit. I kind of agree. I don't think it's that hard to pull pull a, a token out of a bag and set it on the table. Yeah, how do. often would we forget? Every time. No. No, I love it. I would. I would constantly forget to restock that line I of tokens. I am saying is way better with the marbles and with the okay. cardboard. You're better because it is. It absolutely is. Okay. But it is a gimmick that yeah. doesn't need to be there and could be... Yeah, you're not rolling your marbles anywhere after they're in the shoot. And losing your marbles. Ah, shoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, potion explosion, I agree, needs them. That mechanic yeah. would not work with anything else. I mean, you could do it the same way, but it would be unruly for sure. Another one that I had that is completely useless is Camel Up. The pyramid that the dice go in it's completely useless and kind of annoying (laughs) you shake the pyramid you flip it upside down you press a little cardboard button in the side so that one die falls out and then you look at it it could just be a bag again where you pull a bag and roll it the thing about this one is i had an argument with jason at board game day about this because jason said no you have to hold it on the table so that you don't drop more than one dice and i'm like no i'm gonna hold it way up in the air and press the button (laughs) and hope that only one falls out because that's way more fun and that's what it's for but he's right in the sense that it's really annoying and does not work well (laughs) but you still gotta do it because it's there and it's fun but like when you drop multiple dice it's really annoying That is your personalities against each other, 100%. Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Well, yeah, you don't need that pyramid. It could be a bag or a little box, anything. It could be a Yahtzee cup. That's essentially what it is, is a Yahtzee cup. Right. That allows With one a button. Right. With a button. Uh, I did actually ask on Twitter just to see what I would get. Uh, it was not that long ago, so I haven't heard of much, but Greg actually replied. Um, I'll go ahead and read what he wrote and see what you guys think. Oh, he I said, one of my favorite our- gimmicks is probably the Mystic Veil card drafting system. It's a very interesting oh, and innovative yeah. way to enjoy a deck building game. Uh, and then he also said the Killer Bunnies game win mechanic. You spend the game collecting carrots, and at the end of the game, there's only one random carrot that wins, so all of your effort only produces a slightly better chance to win. I've never played this game. I hate that. It is... I wouldn't call it a gimmick. I don't know. It doesn't sound like a gimmick as I read it, It, but it sounds terrible. It is awful. It sounds like the the opposite of a gimmick. Like It sounds like a company is trying to say, this is terrible and you shouldn't buy this game. Yeah, right. like there's games that are just not fun, but that sounds like they're trying to make us not have fun. Yeah. You can make the game way better by saying whoever has the most carrots at the end wins, as opposed to this one random carrot at the end wins. So I have 19, but you have one. But because you had the one random carrot that won, you win. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, sounds but like Greg, it. Greg is probably just trying to get my goat because of how much you that mean gets. get your bunny. Right get my carrot anybody else i do agree that mystic veil is a good that is a good gimmick it's kind of similar i was going to talk about the gloom transparent cards or like the new game canvas 
has transparent yeah, I, cards where you overlay them to make a painting. Right. I haven't I played do, either of those. But, so. but as more games have that, is it considered a gimmick anymore? Because that's the interesting thing. As like, I feel like when the very first Roll and Write came out, well, there's Yahtzee, but that's almost gimmicky. Right. But it's definitely not anymore because there's a ton of roll and rights. Yeah. Or even miniatures in a board game. The first time there were minis, that's a gimmick. And it yeah. still kind of is, but not really, because it's so mainstream. Like it's it's a weird. There's yeah, definitely I, I like agree. a subjectiveness to like if you take the definition yeah, sure. to mean like if, if you include the part that adds or or doesn't add any real value to the game, there's there's obviously a subjective part to that. Um yeah. I think most people would probably say that the minis adds quite a bit to to the game. Depends um, on the game, but yeah. Or like necro molds, which I have not I need to look that up again where you make the play oh <laughs> minis. So right. good. That's if we can go, go back to the roll and write thing. Yeah. They Oh man, now I can't remember if we talked about this last podcast or not. Twilight Imperium has four editions, and I have the fourth. Haven't played it yet, but it's like an eight hour game. They just came That's out to get rid of the kids game. They came out with a a roll and write version of it. Oh man, now I forget the name. Twilight. I don't remember you talking about this, yeah. but that roll doesn't mean anything. It's a two-hour roll and write. <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> roll and writes are should like they're often pretty quick, like I don't know, half an hour or whatever. What's right. it called? It, uh, like Railroad Inc. Why doesn't this or, just tell me the name? Twilight Inscription. That's what it's called. But a two is there player hour interaction? I don't what know. what I hate about roll and rights is that there's no player interaction. And if it's two hours of no player interaction, I'm no. No. You don't want to play a two hour solo game? No. So I would Especially think. Especially not if you're sitting game. across the table from me playing the same thing. I would almost say That's the terrible. gimmick of this game is not the roll and write aspect of it, but the fact it's the that Twilight. they're. Making- it's the Twilight Imperium theme that they're putting on Interesting. here to get everybody to buy this roll and write. They put the Twilight Imperium theme on it. I've not played it. It looks crazy, though. Just to go off on another tangent. A game like Sonara is interesting because it's based off of roll and rights, but also Crokinole. So I would say the flicking discs is a gimmick, but also Crokinole has been around for how long? And wouldn't really be considered gimmicky. We actually know, went it's, to the Morningstar Mill, which yeah. is uh, DeCue Falls in the Niagara region. And you can go into the house. They give tours of the house. And they've got like the old telephone mounted to the wall that you got to pull the ear part off and talk into the... They got the like the washing basin where you... you dry your clothes yeah. by sticking it through the little roller thing and they had a crokinole board on the table that was, yeah i thought that was i love cool. crokinole yeah it hurts my fingers a lot that's the gimmick pain oh that's <laughs> terrible <laughs> pain is the fun gimmick of crokinole. at least it doesn't take two hours that's funny are you allowed to flick? What game was it that you weren't allowed to flick? Uh, flick I'm not allowed to flick. Oh, that is flick them up. You're not allowed to like hold your f- finger back with your thumb and then flick it. You have you to have just to like shoot flick them up is flick them up is full gimmick. That's the entire game, and it is there fun is about three or four times, and then you're good. But mm-hmm. hilarious. Yeah, that's a, a a pretty gimmick of a game as well. Yeah, I think that's all I really had to talk about. All right, I think that about wraps it up then. Nice. Uh, any final thoughts from anybody? Nope. We have no emails. Uh, we had I the tweet that I read. Yep. Um, all right. Well, 
That then is going to wrap up episode 20 of the Turn Turtles podcast. <gasps> um, as always, you can email us at theturnturtles at gmail.com. Um, you can check out our Facebook page at Turn Turtles BG. I'm not going to mention the other ones because we don't really use them at all. So uh, I'm yeah. just going to make an admin call here and not and not mention it. So uh, you could <laughs> be sure to... <laughs> if we ever start using them again, we'll start mentioning it. But uh, sometimes stuff goes up on Facebook, so check check that out. Still, I do uh, that. I love putting stuff up on Facebook every once in a while. Yep, for sure. Uh, apart from that, you can be sure to check out this podcast tomorrow and every other Friday now. <gasps> Woo! Like every other Friday, not every other Friday. When Wait, you right. said that, it sounded like all Fridays. Every other Friday. By Friday. <laughs> all other Fridays. No. Every other Friday. All other Fridays. <laughs> I do want to give a, a quick plug to my Instagram page, which is You're not a robot. robot. W, not underscore uh, underscore robot underscore FW, which is where I'm going to put up a bunch of my wood, my fine woodworking stuff, fine woodcraft. Sure boxes and dice trays and that kind of thing so follow me it's on there so fine and then at me bro yeah we haven't done too much plugging of slide things, into his but we dms can totally do that yeah i occasionally ask questions and talk board game stuff on my twitter which is at adam muir uh Meej, do you want to plug anything here no no that's okay <laughs> if I plug anything online, I'm never going to follow up with it because who's got sure. time for that? Go to Meiji's house, have some tea. Eh. No, don't do that either. Come to my house, Game have crumpets. some tea. If you ever put your parents or grandparents in a nursing home, I might meet you. Aww. <laughs> On <Yeah>. that note, <laughs> thanks for listening to episode 20 of the Turn Turtles podcast. Goodbye. <laughs> Yeah. Bye. The Turn Turtles were here. That's it for now. Thanks for tuning in.